You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on July 28, 2019 by the Reverend Carrie Klukas, a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him? And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we come to you today seeking your voice, your wisdom, and your comfort. Help us to see our own unworthiness, and yet your great love and your great generosity. Help us to be rooted in you, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Father Chris and I, in case you don't know him, he's my husband. Um, He and I have been watching this show on Netflix called Madam Secretary. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a political show um, that depicts what it's like to work for the President of the United States in handling domestic and world affairs. And this show is very intriguing to me and to us because it shows this great balance between seeking peace and taking action in the face of atrocities. Over and over again, the Secretary of State has to make deals with countries seeking to bring peace and order. The storyline, though, changes when there is an American involved. For even one American citizen, she in this in the storyline fights for their rights and their freedoms, and she fights to bring them home. And when there's a group of citizens, she wheels and deals with the other countries to bring them all home alive. Her goal is not that one of them should be left behind. This stands also for those who help her and who stand for democracy and freedom. She goes to bat for them, 
and to, against some of the most powerful people in the planet. And she rarely gets everything that she wants, and she often has to give up quite a bit in order to, do, to achieve her goals. Her focus, though, is clear. Save American lives and bring them home. And this is so remarkable to me because it gives me an everyday example of my life and demonstrates what we hear in the Old Testament passage today. Our Old Testament passage today finds us in the midst of Abraham bending God's ear with a petitioning for his people. Abraham knows that God is going to go out and he's going to sort out Sodom and Gomorrah. He's heard God send men out to discover the truth of this place. These two towns were actually very close to, to each other, and they were known for idol worship. They were known for evil acts against the innocent and for complete depravity of human nature. They were dark and evil places where no one was off limits. Not children, not women, not elderly, and not anyone else who is in need. Sodom and Gomorrah were places that many followers of God thought should not even exist. Abraham, however, was petitioning for people, for a few people who still followed the ways of God. Abraham, he humbly sought out the creator of the world, the most powerful being that ever existed, who made everything, to ask that not one of the faithful be left behind. Abraham petitioned the Lord over and over again for the innocent. He relented only after asking the God of the heavens and the earth for each of the people. Abraham shows us a way to pray, petitioning God for the concerns of our heart. When people suffer, when they make bad decisions, when they need help, and they experience really scary circumstances, we need to storm heaven for them. Not assuming that we know the right answer for their life, but rather asking God to care for them, to provide for them, and to have their way, um, to have his way in their life. God's vision is much clearer and it's much wider than ours. We see in a really limited manner. However, God can see it all. There is a season in my own life when my mother experienced a very, very serious medical emergency. And I had a, a child and nursling still at home, and I had to drive out to the hospital to see her. And I did it every single day going, and I only had a four-hour window when I could be away, and that's it. And she was in a surgical ICU unit, um, and she was in grave condition. And as I drove up and down the river in Pittsburgh, I begged God for my mother. I begged him to let her live. And one day as I was driving back and forth and I was begging him for her to be well, God just stopped me and he said, my way 
is not always your way. To be well could mean a lot of things. And he said to me, death was not the worst thing. My heart that day was completely challenged to trust God in the way that he saw fit to have done and not what I thought in my own limited view. She ended up surviving an incredible amount of serious intervention and miraculous surgery. Her life was spared and my faith grew tremendously that day. This Colossians passage today, we hear, therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. Our faith is gonna be tried time and time again as we walk in this life. Our faith in God is gonna be challenged over and over again in our lives. Whether it's the suffering in our own bodies or it's watching another person suffering, we are going to be challenged to doubt, to turn away, or to control the situation. All of us have knee-jerk reactions to situations. And it's important to see what it is that you do that might draw you away from God and his direction for the situation. I'm a fixer. I'm an enabler. I want to jump into situations, fix the problems, and establish order. You ever see me with my kids in the parking lot and I'm like, line up! And I'm being really serious and intense because I'm bringing order. It's who I am as a person. And this probably has a lot to do with training I had. At 16, I was trained as an emergency medical technician. I was trained to do that. I was trained to walk into situations that were chaotic and provide order. While order and problem solving and direction are not bad things, they can actually present a problem in distracting us from what God might be doing in the situation. Often God wants us to just be present in the situation, trying to find something, anything, to give thanks in. The Colossians passage today calls us to overflow with thankfulness in our lives. How could it look to see something to be thankful for in our lives when things are hard, when they're scary, when they're downright depressing? How do we see the blessings of God in the hard and the difficult moments of life? Perhaps it's the kindness of a stranger or even a chance to experience neediness or a moment to feel humble or a chance to see somebody else's heart. All of these can be moments of thankfulness. 
It's often in those upside down moments in our lives, the moments when we feel totally undone, when we feel confused and scared and overwhelmed, that we can overlook our Jesus encounters. And it's actually in these moments, if we actually stand still long enough with our eyes open to Jesus, that we'll get to see his hand working in the situation. Having eyes to see the good or the blessings in our own lives can change the way we think. There's a study that was recently um, revealed in which people who practice giving thanks or being grateful actually changed their brain health to be happier people. When people practice gratitude, their brain actually becomes rewired neurologically, like the actual interworkings of the brain are changed to be more thankful in our lives, to see the good. However, people who are constantly saying negative statements, such as like, you never do this, I always have to do that, nothing is ever good, they're rewiring their brains towards negative and depressing thoughts. And I'd have to say um, sarcasm is kind of in that category. I have a very, I grew up kind of, I have a very sarcastic mind because I'm very verbal, right? So very verbal people like to take their words and use them, and we use them in our minds. And I think um, my mind has a tendency of being kind of sarcastic in a situation. And it has been a nonstop slog and fight to learn how to not have that instant response. But instead, to take that thought pattern that I have and turn it back towards where in this situation can I see something good, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when I feel like everything's undone around me? And how can I cling to the truths of God's word and have eyes and a mind and a heart that's open to what God might be wanting to do in that situation? The gospel passage today shows the disciples of Jesus longing to know how to pray and Jesus teaching them how to come to the Father. Jesus used this Aramaic word for God, it's Abba, and it means Father or one who is close. Jesus used a word of familiarity, a word of closeness, a word of kindness. Jesus was showing them that God longs to know us, to care for us, and to bring us peace in the midst of real difficulty and trial. Jesus shows us that God can be an intimate, loving Father, one who is good and kind. And all of us have a wide range of experience with parents and with fathers. Some of us have known loving, present fathers. Some of us have had negligent fathers. Some of us have had fathers who are not present, and then everything else in between. Jesus is showing us the truth of God, that he's hollow, that he's holy, 
God who is kind and good and loving. He is a God that is worthy of praise, and he's worthy of listening to. When we pray your kingdom come in the Lord's Prayer, we're reminding ourselves that we long to see the second coming of Jesus. May God's rule and peace and righteousness swiftly come into effect. This is a prayer for God to act by hastening or bringing the coming of the day of the Lord. We're longing to see order reign on the earth. And thy kingdom come looks for the bringing in of the kingdom that was the constant subject of Jesus' teachings. And there is a sense in which is realized here and now in the hearts and the lives of the people who subject themselves to God, who accept his way for their life. But in another sense, it, it will not come again until God's will is perfectly done throughout the world. We're constantly praying in this state of, Come, Lord Jesus, and waiting for his kingdom. And when we come to God, we cannot come with our own agenda, but rather an openness to how he will use our life and our daily struggles. I love planning. I love seeing an orderly schedule with everything in its place. I love toys in bins. You know, I love when life um, has place in order. Now, is that real, like all the time? No, not at all. This whole week I was preparing for the sermon. I plotted out all these beautiful time periods that I was going to do things and, you know, being orderly. And every single one of those chunks of time got wiped out. And then the printer died last night. And then I had to come in and figure it all out, and the baby woke up really early. You know what I mean? It's like the Lord took my sermon that he gave me, and then he just put it in action in my life. Because that's what he does with us. He takes us in our lives, and things happen, and things slide out of place, and they accidents happen, and not everything is, you know, planned out. And maybe it shouldn't be in our lives. God has this plan for us, even when things seem out of control or scary. And in the Lord's Prayer, we hear Jesus teach us to ask him for our daily bread. This may be a petition not just for ordinary food, but also for the bread of life, the gift of God, without which we cannot live our life. Our daily bread can mean more than just food, but it can mean energy kindness, mercy, or direction in our lives. Jesus, he longs to give us what we need for each day. He is in himself a peace giver. He is a provider. And he uses this word in the passage, which is this continuous, present, keep giving, that each day it may be clear that we should not look to God constantly, not just for providing for us for a long period, right? We're supposed to look to him for every day, constantly, every single day, so that we don't forget him. Christians live in this state of continual dependence on God. 
For so many of us, um, I think this is really hard, right? We have access to clean water, we have electricity, we have daily food, we have clothing. It can be really hard to remember that we need him every day. However, in times of crisis or in times of difficulty, we're reminded once again of how much of our lives actually sit in the palm of God's hand. Jesus teaches us to pray for the forgiveness of our sins as we have forgiven other people. And as we walk through this life, you know and I know just by living that we're constantly making bad choices, right? We're constantly judging other people or being unkind or worrying excessively about everything. Our sin is ever before us. And Jesus desires to forgive us if only we will come to him. Our sin's like this big, huge, heavy weight that ends up like weighing us down and keeping us from good and holy relationships with each other. And Jesus longs to free us from that weight. He longs to free us and set us free. We have such a loving Father that is always, always willing to provide a way out for us, a way to flee temptation. The next time you experience the sense to do something, I want you to ask yourself some questions. Can you walk away? Can you be quiet when you want to speak? Can you remove yourself from this temptation? As we experience and struggle with these things, as we experience these small victories over sin, we're going to become encouraged to give more of our weight to God and to run more freely. So early on in our marriage, you know, as the kiddos started to arrive and as our evenings became kind of all chopped up for caring for little ones in the middle of the night, we found ourselves kind of rather cranky with each other the later it got in the evening. It seemed that there is some kind of like magical time that we can never figure out what time it actually started when we would start arguing back and forth in an endless cycle of disagreement. It was toxic and it was non-productive. One night I heard God say, get up, go brush your teeth and go to bed. So I just stood up in the middle of the conversation as I'm like ready to give my end back. And I stood up and went into the bathroom and got my toothbrush. And I was like, and I'm brushing my teeth angrily. And Chris comes in, he wants to talk it out. And I refuse. Nope, nope, I'm not talking. And he's like, why? I'm like, I'm brushing my trees. You know, I'm just honoring God. And we talked about it. And he said, what is wrong with you? I'm like, the Lord told me to brush my teeth and go to bed. I need to be quiet. And we eventually learned, oh, yeah, hey, there's a, sometimes there's a time when you need to stop talking. Sometimes it's okay to just end it for the sake of abruptly end a conversation for the sake of sparing one another unhelpful and unkind words. Jesus has this power to change our life. Jesus has this power to set our sinful patterns, which we seem to run, you know, every day the same thing. 
Jesus has the power to change that. He has the power to set your sinful patterns right. Jesus follows up teaching about um, the Lord's Prayer to his disciples, teaching about prayer with this humorous parable that drives home the point that prayer must be persistent and that God is always ready to give. The setting is this small village where there's no shops and a household would go and like bake their bread in the middle of the day in the morning and Jesus pictures a man whose household has already used up all their supply and they have a friend who's been journeying and shows up on an unexpected call. It's at midnight, which probably means the friend's been traveling all day and in, um, in the heat of the desert. And the man must be fed. His friend has a sacred duty to do this. I don't think we totally realize that in our culture, but in theirs, if someone showed up, you did not turn them out. I mean, what would have been there? lot. I mean, wild animals and scary bandits. Like, you took someone in and you provided for them. You gave them something to eat. You gave them something to wash with. You gave them your bed if you had to sleep on the floor. It was a very important duty. And he goes to his friend and he asks him for three loaves, these small little loaves that would have fed this man. And the second householder has shut his door. He's gone to bed with his whole family. And he could not get up without waking up his entire household. And this guy, with great persistence, he pesters his friend until the man rises and he helps him. Jesus says that whoever seeks will find. We're supposed to be like that pestering guy. He says that whoever knocks, the door will be open. And in our prayers, we're supposed to be like that pestering man who must provide for his guest. We are to ask the desires of our heart to God and to trust him to provide for us. Jesus longs to see us grow in faith and trust and in love. He longs to give us the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance. I find the more that I utter to God that I need you, the more I hear awesome ideas of dealing with the situations in front of me, dealing with messy situations, dealing with broken hearts. And so often we view prayer as this last-ditch effort or this mark of failure that we couldn't do it ourselves. But it's far from that. Prayer and admitting that we need help from God puts us in this beautiful, humble position it puts us in a position to receive wisdom and peace and comfort in the midst of life's challenges. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a profound gift that we can speak, he can speak truth into our life and give us wisdom to live by. Abraham lived a connected life to God and he heard his voice and he knew God's provision and God's comfort. We too can have the same relationship with Jesus. So my prayer for you today is that you may go from this place encouraged in your faith. May you go from this place challenged to call upon the living God who loves you so much that he desires for you to come to him in prayer and thanksgiving. 
May you experience his power in overcoming sin and setting you free from temptations. And may you know the gift of the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and guidance in your life. So to God be the glory now and forever. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.